see you back in the house of the Lord tonight. What a wonderful time we had around here this morning. The presence of the Lord was so real. I was about to think there one time I wasn't even going to get to preach this morning. And that would have been all right for the Lord to just move right on in here and do whatever he wants to do. It belongs to him. It don't belong to me anyway. <laughs> it belongs to him. But what a wonderful time we had uh, in our service this morning, receiving the new members into our church family. That's always a refreshing and a wonderful thing. And we're just delighted to see you back here uh, in the house of the Lord this evening. Well, this morning we took off on the words of our Lord. In Matthew chapter 24, if you'd like to open your Bibles back there, I'm not going to take time to read those 14 verses again tonight. But you may want to turn there so you can follow along and perhaps underline some of the words if you'd like to. But you remember we set the stage with that text by the fact that the Lord and his disciples had gone out to the Mount of Olives from Jerusalem. And as they left, the disciples had pointed out the beautiful temple of Solomon, the beautiful temple. And uh, Jesus then turned to them and said something rather striking and rather awesome. He said, I tell you, the day will come when not a one of these stones will be left standing upon another. See, he knew that in 70 A.D., right around 70 A.D., about 40 years after he spoke those words, he knew the Romans were coming in and that they would literally destroy that temple. They would destroy Jerusalem. They tell us, historians tell us, that blood ran down the streets of Jerusalem almost knee-deep. It was a slaughter, it was a massacre that the Romans did. And Jesus knew that that was coming. And so when they get out to the Mount of Olives, the disciples turn to him and say, Master, what will be the signs of the time? What will be the signs of the end of the world? Well, what's going to be the signs when you come back? That's the setting of the text we're looking at. Jesus begins then in those verses to outline the things that they can look for, what we call the signs of the times. I've really felt burdened this week and as I've worked on this and in the weeks leading up to it. I'm going to be honest with you. The devil has really fought me about preaching this series of messages. And I think I know why, because he knows how important it is for us to understand what we're going to be talking about these next few. Folks, we are living in the last days of time. I'm more convinced of that than I've ever been in all of my life. And I just felt really burdened this week as I, as I preached or as I've worked on this and thought about it, of how important it is that you get this into your spirit, get it into your mind, and that we be on the lookout, that we just be looking and watching so that as these things happen, we will see it, we will know it, we will understand it, and that it will drive us to prepare ourselves for his soon coming. Well, we looked at the first two signs this morning. That was as far as we got with the introduction that I gave. Jesus said, look out for deception. One of the great marks of the last days is going to be deception. False Christ, he said, are going to arise. False prophets, and we're going to talk about that a little more tonight. All kinds of deception. Be careful who you listen to, what you listen to, 
be careful, be careful, be careful. Because Jesus said in the last days, men were going to be deceived. Then the second thing we looked at this morning was division. Jesus said that division, that the human race is literally going to be torn apart by division. Well, my Lord, aren't we seeing that today? I've never seen this nation as divided. I've never seen the world as divided. As It's like everybody's at each other's throats. It's like everybody's just on a totally different page. Jesus said, when you see this happening, look out. I'm getting close. <laughs> uh, the stage is being set. As we mentioned earlier this morning, it's being set for the Antichrist. And we'll see that more and more as we go along. The third thing Jesus points out here in the second part of verse 7, if you want to follow along there, he says there's also going to be disasters. There's going to be a multiplication, an explosion of disasters upon this world. And he breaks it down into some categories. He says, first of all, there's going to be great famines. There's going to be hunger. There's going to be a lack of food. Do you know that it's estimated, I've done a lot of looking up numbers this week, it's estimated that 815 million people today are suffering from malnutrition. 815 people don't have enough to eat, the right things to eat. It's estimated that 12% of them suffer to the point of starvation. It's estimated that three, listen to this one, 3.1 million children die from starvation every year. 3.1 million a year die, literally starve to death. Jesus said in the last days there's going to be disaster. And one of the disasters he mentions is famine. They tell us that our earth's resources are being stretched to the limit. We, we are being pressed to find the food, to be able. I, I was thinking about all this just this past week, all this flooding out west. They were interviewing a lot of the farmers and some of them were saying we have lost our entire crops this week. There will be no wheat. There will be nothing we can produce. More and more we're seeing that kind of thing. Jesus said in the last days food is going to get to be a problem. In fact, in Revelation 6.6 he tells us that it will reach a point that a measure of wheat, and they tell us that in the Greek, that word measure of wheat literally means about a quart. About a quart. A measure of wheat, Jesus said, will be sold for a day's wages. Do you understand? He says this famine business is going to get so bad at some point that you'd give a day's wage to get less than a quart of wheat in a jar. Folks, we're headed... Listen to me, listen, to, no, don't listen to me. Listen to Jesus. This is Jesus talking. He says famines are coming. The closer we get to the end, the more and more there'll be things dealing with food shortages and with famines and we're going to sin. Of course, all that's setting the stage for what we're gonna be talking about in the coming weeks, for what's coming. 
Then Jesus said here, there'll be pestilences. You know, you'd think by now that we would have conquered every epidemic, don't you? I mean, wouldn't you think by now with all we've got and all we know that there wouldn't be anything that doctors and medicines and medical science couldn't deal with? You'd just think by now that we would have wiped all of that out. But do you know we're living in a day when more and more we're hearing about drug-resistant bacteria. Bacteria that they know of no drug that'll touch it. We're living in a day when influenza strains are breaking out that they don't know what to do with. There are super strains of viral infections that are breaking out that they don't know what to do with. More and more you hear about them say that the doctors don't know what to do. They, they don't know which way to go. There are pandemics that are breaking out. The HIV virus is still sweeping this land. There are superbugs that seem to be appearing all the time. Things that just spring up with people. And medical science almost seems literally baffled by all of it. But we shouldn't be. Jesus said in the last days, pestilences are going to come on this earth. And then thirdly, he mentions earthquakes. He says there's going to be earthquakes. My Lord, aren't we seeing that? How many of you remember just a couple of weeks ago? How many did we have right here in North Carolina in about a week there? Almost every other day there was rumbling and shaking somewhere going on. More and more we're hearing about earthquakes. In fact, the figures I looked at said that they estimate that there's 12, listen to this, I, I just couldn't take this in, that there's 12 to 14,000 earthquakes every year that's happening somewhere on this planet. 12 to 14,000 a year. My baby brother's oldest son, Shane Marley, is a chaplain, one of our military chaplains, Right now, based in Alaska, been up there for about a year with Joy and jo- uh, uh, James and Joyce. A uh, Joy, they they've been up there together, and, and we we kind of get tickled at Jennifer. She's a mess anyway, and and and, and we've kind of been tickled at her talking about she she just, she says basically they live every day in Alaska with earthquakes. In fact, it's reached the point she doesn't have she won't put anything glass up in a cabinet. No no glasses. She keeps them. She says you can't put anything up, vases, uh, glasses, that the, the earth trembles so much. She went out here the other week to get in her car and, and, and literally as she was getting ready to get in the car, the earth trembled so it almost knocked her down. We're living in a day of earthquake. We're living in a day when the earth is rocking and rolling and rumbling. We're seeing the most. How about the great tsunamis recently that we've looked at and seen on television? Those water just rushing in, almost covering towns, wiping people out by the hundreds and the hundreds. There seems to be ecological upheaval everywhere. Everywhere, it's like the earth is trembling. Look at verse 8. Jesus said these disasters, look at it. He says these disasters are just the beginning of sorrows. They tell me that word there in the Greek, sorrows, in the Greek language literally means labor pains. Jesus says in these days, these disasters are the beginning of labor pains. What he's saying is it's almost as, the, as if the earth is heaving in pains. It's almost as if, the, as if the earth is pregnant with judgment. And isn't that what the Apostle Paul says? 
Doesn't the apostle Paul tell us that even Mother Earth is groaning and crying for a day of sweet release? <laughs> you see, not only are we under the curse, the earth is under the curse. Not only are we under the curse, but Mother Earth is under the curse. And she's groaning and moaning and shaking and trembling. And Jesus said, the closer you get to the trumpet sounding, the more these disasters are going to take place. Just be on the lookout. Don't, don't be surprised. But when you hear them and you see them, just remember what we're preaching. Just remember what Jesus said. It's coming. And those are the signposts that you better be getting ready because the trumpet's about to sound. <laughs> the trumpet's about to sound. It's about to sound. Then Jesus says in verse 9, that another sign is going to be the sign of defamation. Now listen to this one. This one's really been, I mean, it's just been all over me this week. Listen to what he said. They will deliver you up to be afflicted, to be killed, and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You remember what we said about the signs this morning, that they have a beginning and, and they... And they go on for periods of time. Some of these signs, it don't just happen a week or two, a month or two, a year. But they go on and on. This started in Jesus' day. So far as we know from the records we have, except for one apostle, all the others were martyred. This, this, this started in Jesus' day. This, this, this thing of afflicting them and killing them and hating them. And as we get closer, God's people are going to be defamed more and more and more. The holy people of God are going to be treated in unholy ways. Folks, let me tell you, serving God is going to become more and more unpopular. Let me say that again. It's going to become more and more unpopular. And notice what Jesus says about this. Notice why this happened. He said, it's for my name's sake. Do you know what stirs up this hatred and stirs up this persecution and stirs up this defamation? It's the name of Jesus. People don't lie. How many of you are becoming more and more aware every day that the name of Jesus is now a name of offense to a lot of people? You just mentioned the name of Jesus. They'll look at you like you're a stark raving idiot. We're, we're seeing more and more where the name of Jesus, we, we, we're seeing it right, right here in our state just in the last two or three weeks. Two or three town councils have ruled that when they have the opening prayer, whoever's doing the prayer cannot mention the name of Jesus. Folks, that's in North Carolina. I'm not preaching about something way off overseas somewhere, way off over here. This is happening in the state of North Carolina. You can pray if you gotta pray. What they, they really don't even want you to pray. But don't you mention, you cannot, they, they've been told, chaplains have been told, preachers have been told, you can't mention the name of Jesus. They better never call on me to pray. I'm sure I won't do it but once, but when I get through talking about Jesus, 
But that's happening, folks. It's happening. And Jesus told us 2,000 years ago it was going to happen. The defamation of his name. The people, a lot of people don't care if you talk about religion. Just don't use his name. And I want to tell you, the closer we get to the end, the more that name is going to cost us our freedom, our rights, and I believe it'll come to the place of our lives. Now, I don't know how far that'll go in America, but it's already happening in other countries. You name the name of Jesus, you just love to get your head chopped off. We're living in that day. We're living in the day of defamation when the name of Jesus is being defamed, mocked, ridiculed. Don't even talk about that. Christian bashing has become one of the favorite sports of many people. We're being mocked and ridiculed and humiliated. Do, do you see the pictures? Do you see the new people marching down the streets with their signs? And most of them half naked looking like weirdos and they're screaming and, and, and just, it is unbelievable. I saw not, some time ago somebody walking down the street, one in prayer, had a big old sign that said, bring out the lions. Let's start feeding them to the lions again. Folks, that's happening in America on the streets of this nation. Wake up. We better wake up. We better wake up. We're nearing, <laughs> we're nearing the sound of the trumpet. We're nearing the end of this thing. In other parts of the world, terrible atrocities are being committed. You, you've seen the pictures of, of Christians kneeling on the sand and these wild and crazy people that are determined to stamp out Christianity, they're, they're beheading them by the dozens. They're beheading them right there on the shore. You've seen the pictures. It's ha it is happening. It is happening. And it won't be long till it'll start happening here. Because my Lord, we're putting some of those people into Congress. We are voting some of those people that are beheading Christians in other countries. We're voting them into Congress. Wake up. Wake up. Hello. Wake up. It's coming as surely as we're sitting here. And again, and you'll see as we go down the road how all this ties together. All this just plays right in to Antichrist. Because when the Antichrist gets here, ultimately his goal will be to exterminate, if he can, every Christian on the face of this earth. It will be his ultimate goal. What he doesn't know is, though, there's one bigger than he is, stronger and wiser than he is. <laughs> but that's where we're going. That's where we're living in the day. Don't be shocked. If people start mocking you, defaming you, making fun of you, don't be surprised. It's already happening. Well, and then Jesus says that's not all. He says also there will be desertion. Look in verse 10. Look in verse 10. He says many will be offended. Many will be offended. Many people, when all this starts, 
Many people in the church, many people who name the name of Christ are going to be offended. In other words, what he's telling us is what we're seeing, that we're going to reach a time that many out of fear, many out of being brainwashed, all this other stuff we've talked about, it's going to begin to take an effect. And many people are going to make decisions like this. They're going to decide, well, you know, the church is really just no longer relevant to me. Oh, we're hearing that. I, I, I follow these guys, you know, who, who, who spend their lives, Tom Rayner and some of these people, that, that they spend their lives, how they make their living studying churches, every denomination across this nation, around the world. They do nothing but study it and analyze it and compile it. And they're telling us that more and more people are deciding the church is becoming irrelevant that it's out of step with society. We're getting out of step with society. God help us to get out of step with society. If we ever get in step with them, we'll no longer be the church. We'll be just like them. I'm preaching good. God help us. God help us. But that's what we're hearing. The church is no longer relevant. The church is not in step with society. They're offended by what we teach and preach. In fact, they're trying to tell us that there's things we can't preach and teach anymore. They'll take our tax status. Do you know we're up against that battle right now? Not not here yet. But do you know many churches are, are being challenged in courts about their tax status because of what they're preaching? Because they're preaching the gospel, they're preaching the truth. That you can't you you can't stand up and say homosexuality is a sin. Well, I'm sorry it is, because this book says it is. And that doesn't mean I hate anybody. That doesn't mean I dislike anybody. Any any homosexual wants to come to church, he can come if, if he'll behave himself. Or herself. In fact, I wish they would come get under the old time Holy Ghost convicted and get saved. (laughs) But for me to say it's a sin doesn't make me, all I'm telling you is what the book says. And I believe the book. I believe the man that's given us these signs that sat out there on the Mount of Olives and said this is the way it's going to be. And folks, keep in mind, he's saying all this 2,000 years ago. He's seeing this. He's telling us what's happening in our very backyards. And because of this desertion, many churches are replacing the gospel message with a social gospel. They're replacing this book with a feel-good theology. They're replacing this book with a seeker-sensitive message. Isn't that sweet and wonderful? We don't want to offend anybody with our preaching. Honey, if I don't offend you once in a while on my preaching, there's something wrong with my preaching. If I'm not preaching straight enough, hot enough, close enough, that it don't sting you once in a while and make you say, ooh, wait a minute here, the preacher's talking to me this morning. And I'm not doing my job. I even preach myself under conviction. (laughs) And when I don't, my wife will finish it when I get home. Did you hear that this morning? Did you hear yourself this morning? (laughs) 
I could have some fun with that, but I won't. But that's where we are. We're preaching a seeker-sensitive, a feel-good theology. I heard a guy just said that pastor's one of the biggest churches in this country. I heard him on television just this past week. He made the statement. He said, well, we don't preach theology anymore. We don't preach doctrine anymore. Our goal is not to offend people. Hello? Jesus said, I hadn't come to bring peace to this earth, but to bring a sword. Now, he preached peace, but at the same time, he understands that there's times that the sword of the truth will split you apart. There's times it'll prick you. It'll cut into you. Some people need to be offended the way they're living. But one of the pastors, one of the biggest churches in this country, I don't call names. Most of you probably heard of you know him. He actually said that just this past week. I've heard him say it before. We live in a time there's no repentance, no heaven, no hell, no judgment to come. We're not going to preach on, that's what that guy was saying. We're not going to preach on those things. We're not going to preach on those things. Why? Well, we don't want to offend anybody. Hello? If the gospel offends you, you need to be offended. Now, 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 we're not talking about offense just to be offensive. I'm not talking about we ought to walk out here and just see how ugly, nasty, and smart aleck we can be. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you preach this book and you preach it right down the line and you preach it straight and you preach that you're going to offend this world because this world is not in harmony with this book. This world is not in harmony with the truth. This world is not in harmony with Jesus. And you're going to offend them. And when you do, Jesus says they'll desert. They'll leave the church altogether. I read a statistic just this week that says somewhere between 100 to 200 churches are closing every week in this nation. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that's not, now I'm not talking about Pentecostal time. I'm talking about every kind of church there is and worldwide, not just the United States, worldwide, but 100 to 200 churches a week are closing their doors. Why? Because of this very thing. In other words, the cost of discipleship is becoming so high that people are being offended and desertions have begun. Jesus said they'll begin to desert. They'll begin to leave. They'll become offended and they will leave. And then he says, look in verse 11, there'll be disinformation. There'll be disinformation. Not only is there going to be deception, but as a part of that deception, there'll be disinformation. Look, at he says in verse 11, many false prophets will arise. Many false prophets will arise. Let me tell you, anybody that proclaims anything different from this book is a false prophet. I don't care how big a church he's got. I don't care how many followers he has. I don't care how big a name, I don't care how many television programs he's got. If he doesn't preach what's in this book, he is a false prophet. And you better be aware of them. You better watch out. You better be careful who you listen to, who you follow. 
One thing I've been, I've been grateful for lately from some of you and other people that don't even tend you. I've had, a, I've had a lot of people lately, I think, becoming aware of something. And, and people asking me, what do you think about so-and-so? And I'm telling them. I'm telling them. Based on this book and what I've heard them say, I wouldn't be listening to them. Beware, Jesus is waving the flag at us here, folks. He's saying there's going to be disinformation. Let me give you some examples. One of the growing things in this nation right now is what we call universalism. The preaching that ultimately everybody's going to be saved. That God's too good to send anybody to hell. Well, somebody should have told Jesus. Because he preached about hell and warned about hell more than he did heaven. If you don't believe that, get you a piece of paper, put heaven in one column, hell on another, and read your New Testament. Every time Jesus, every time Jesus mentions it, put a mark for heaven, a mark for hell, and Jesus will say more about hell than he did heaven. Don't tell me there's no hell. And yet, universalism says, and this is what people are preaching, that ultimately God's too good to send anybody to hell and everybody's going to be saved. Let me give you another one. Boy, this one's rampant, isn't it? There's really no difference in religions. It doesn't matter how you get to heaven. All roads are leading to the same place. No, they're not. No, they're not. But that's being preached. That's being taught. That, that, that's being that, that's being proclaimed all over this world, all over this nation. Let me tell you a couple more. They, these aren't quite as wide. Well, they, they're probably getting more and more widespread. One here not long ago said God told him to leave his wife and marry somebody younger. A preacher. Well, he called himself a preacher. I got another name for him, but I won't. God told him. He has said that publicly. God told him, leave his wife, marry a younger woman. Look out, Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl tell you, if you want me, you can have me. <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff, folks. That's the kind of stuff. And I mean, these, these are... Preaching, these are people sometimes with big congregations. Deception, disinformation, desertion. Oh, here's one, here's one of the latest ones I've heard. A guy says, he's mixed up with two or three women. I don't know if he's married more than one, but here's what he said to his wife. He said, you're not the only lady, but you're the first lady. You're still, my, you're still the first lady, but you're not the only lady. And we laugh at that, but that, that guy is a preacher over a huge congregation. You're not the only lady, but you're still the first lady, honey. Just be, be happy. You're still the first lady. And we laugh at it. We, but folks, this is what is happening. And more and more, this kind of disinformation is being spread and people are buying it. People are believing it. because You know why? Because it satisfies their flesh. It satisfies what they want to do. And they're buying into it like crazy. Beware, Jesus said, of false prophets. 
They're going to arise more and more and more in this day. Preacher, how can I know if it's a false prophet? One simple test is what they're preaching. Does it match up to this book? Folks, you, you, you ought to be reading this book every day of your life. Set aside a time, get up and read this book. Get up and read this book. And then, we're going to have to hurry here. Jesus says there'll be depravity. Look in verse 12. He says, iniquity shall abound. That word iniquity in the Greek means wickedness. Wickedness, he says, shall abound. Notice what he says. It's going to abound. That means it's just going to keep multiplying and growing and growing and growing and growing. Wickedness. Wickedness. Look around you at the corruption, the depravity, the immorality that's going on in our country. Look at it. And the thing of it is, people today no longer try to hide their sins. They flaunt it. They get out in the streets in parades. The other day, it's been all over Facebook. It's been on the news. A congressman kissing his lover in the mouth. I'd like to kiss both. Uh, no, that's... Folks, do you see what's happening? Are you putting two and two together here? Are you listening to these words of Jesus and looking at your newspaper and Facebook and the news? Are you putting it together? It is happening like a torrent, like a flood. It's sweeping in upon us. They're, they're flaunting their immorality. They flaunt their iniquity. Morality is considered old-fashioned. Oh, you just old-fashioned. Well, God help me to stay old-fashioned. If believing this book and preaching this book is old-fashioned, I'm old-fashioned. Count me in. We're living in a day when anything goes. Anything is accepted anymore. Anything. For this reason, a lot of churches have decided there's no absolute standard. I've actually heard that say, well, you know, there are really no absolutes. What? There's no absolutes? That's not what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus said. So you've got to choose to believe Jesus or believe this crowd telling us that there are no absolutes. In other words, do your own thing. You know what that is? How many of you remember in reading the book of Judges, a statement that's made over and over and over, that in those days every man did what was right in his own eyes. Well, I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, who cares what you see? If this book says it, honey, it's wrong. It's wrong. If this book says it, it's wrong. It's still sin if this book calls it sin. It's still iniquity if this book calls it iniquity. It's still sin. But we're living in the day, Jesus said. We're, live, we're living in the day. We're living in the day of depravity. People are depraved. 
And the result is that the love of many, look in verse 12, he says the result is the love of many wax or grows cold. You know what the result of all this is? All that these words represent? You know what the result of all that is? The result of it is that the love of many grows cold. How many do you know tonight that are just red hot for Jesus? How many people you know that just, I mean, all they want to talk about is Jesus? How many people you know out there? We're living in a day we're living in a day of depravity. The love for truth and righteousness and holiness of heart and life is growing colder and colder by the day. We want to live the way we want. We want to do our own thing. Well, I don't see anything wrong with that. Honey, you're not the standard. You're not the judge. This book is the standard. What you see well, I don't see anything. What you see is not the standard. This is the standard. Look at it. This is the standard. It's called Holy Bible if you hadn't seen one lately. This is the standard. Not how you and me see it. But it's not all bad news. I want to close on a positive note. Look down in verses 13 and 14. Jesus said there will also be a day of declaration, a day of declaration. He says that in the midst of all of this, this gospel is going to be preached to the ends of the earth. <laughs> this gospel is going to be preached to the ends of the earth. There's going to be a group of people, Jesus says here, that will endure to the end. They will cling to the truth. They will refuse to let go. In fact, do you know that's how you can know who's really saved? Do you want to know who's really got the goods? Just look who's still taking a stand for the truth. If you really, and, and, and I know we're not supposed to judge people, but there's a certain point to which you can look at people and know. And if you want to know where somebody really is, just look, just look at them and see where they what kind of stand are they taking against the backdrop of this kind of preaching? And you'll know where they stand. You'll know what they really are. Jesus is saying these are the days of dynamic preaching and proclamation in some places. Now, some places you're getting the other stuff. But there's other places that Jesus said as we get to the end, there's going to be preaching and proclamation. In fact, Look at this. Now, keep in mind, Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. He, they tell us now that up to 98% of the world has the potential to hear the gospel. Through media, through social media, through the internet, through satellites, the gospel is being preached literally around the world. In fact, 98% of the world has the potential today to hear the gospel. I remember th this used to be a thing we debated when I was in Bible college. We used to debate, well, how can Jesus be coming too soon until everybody hears the gospel? 
Because back when I was in Bible college, you didn't, you didn't have one of these. You didn't have a computer. You didn't have the internet. You didn't have Facebook. You didn't have any of that. You didn't have the satellites. And I remember we used to debate in Bible class. We used to debate, Lord, how, how is this? How's this going to happen? How can the whole world? It's going to take hundreds of thousands of years for everybody to hear the gospel. No, no. 98% now of the world, they estimate, has the potential. The gospel waves, the gospel message is out there in some form. 98%. How close does that take us? How close does that take us, folks? For Jesus said this gospel will be preached. Now, he didn't say everybody would necessarily hear it, but he said it will be preached. Read it. It will be preached. It is being proclaimed now over 98% of the world. This gospel is being preached. It's being proclaimed in some way over 98% of the world. Come on, Rhonda, if you will. The message is going everywhere. The message is going out everywhere and it will continue to be preached until the Lord comes. In fact, even after he comes, it's going to be preached. You know, it'll even be being preached during the tribulation. In the midst and the thick of the tribulation, 144,000 Jewish evangelists are going to be turned loose on the earth. Right smack in the middle of it all. We'll we'll get to that. 144,000 Jewish evangelists. We read of the two witnesses that suddenly appear right in the middle of the great tribulation. Two witnesses that appear. We read of an angel that super, in Revelation 14, we read of an angel that supernaturally presents the gospel to every person on this earth. Even in the tribulation, God's still going to be trying to get the message out. Even in the midst when the tribulation started and the church is already gone, God's still going to be reaching out in compassion. (laughs) He's still going to be reaching out in compassion. Even in the midst of the tribulation. And then, once the final declaration is made, Jesus says in verse 14, then shall the end come. The final revelation will take place. He'll step out over the clouds of glory riding on a white horse, the multitudes of his children following him. He's coming down. His feet will touch the Mount of Olives, split it asunder, and he'll walk and march into Jerusalem. King of kings, Lord of lords. <laughs> we'll get to that one Sunday. Get your shouting shoes on. We're going to get there. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. What does all this mean today? Let me, let me wrap it up right quick. What does all this mean? Here's what it means. It means, first of all, that you can trust this book. Do you understand that the things I preach to you today simply means that you can trust this book? Why? Because all this I've been preaching today was spoken 2,000 years ago. 
Now, if somebody just said it last week, I might think, well, I guess they would know some of that. But this was detailed. These words, these scriptures, you see them. They were spoken 2,000 years ago. Jesus said this, 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 this. It's like he's reading the morning newspaper. That means you can trust this book. It means secondly that it's harvest time. It's harvest time. Folks, do you understand that in connection with all this, Jesus also said the fields are white. He said lift up your eyes and look. While all this is going on, the fields are white on the harvest. Folks, let's get out there and get the harvest. I don't want this preaching just to shake you up. I don't want it just to get, I want it to stir you to the point that you can't sleep at night till your loved ones are saved. You can't sleep good at night till the harvest is coming in. Because folks, if that truck, somebody said to me this morning as they left, said, you know, preacher, all this is good, it's interesting, but he said, you know what really counts? Being ready when that trumpet's out. <laughs> what really counts is being ready when that trumpet sounds. We're living in the time of harvest. We're living in the time of harvest. The third thing all this means is that it's time to get deadly serious about living the Christian life. If you've ever been serious about living the Christian life, you need to get serious about it now because here's what you're facing. You're facing depravity. You're facing disinformation. You're facing desertion. You're facing defamation. You're facing disasters. You're facing division, deception. If you've ever been serious about serving God, you need to get serious now. It's time. It's time. It's time. Will you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Here's the way Jesus kind of wrapped this up over in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. Jesus said, when you see all these things coming to pass, do what? Lift up your heads. Look up. For your redemption draweth nigh. Oh, my prayer to God is that as you walk out this door tonight, you're going to walk out in that attitude and with that spirit. It's time for me to look up, lift up my head. My redemption is drawing nigh. And if I've ever been serious about serving God, if I've ever been serious about winning my loved ones, if I've ever been serious, it's time. It's time because here's where we are. Jesus, what will be the signs of these things you're talking about? 
What will be the signs of your coming and the end of time? And he gave them these eight signs, these eight words. I hope they get into your spirit after today. We'll make up our minds to do something about it. How many of you tonight say to me, Brother Marley, I want to be ready. I want to be watching. I want to be looking. I want to be faithful. I don't want to let any of this get me down. I don't want to let any of this get to me. I don't want to let any of the depravity and the disinformation and, and the desertion and the deception and the division and the defamation. I don't want any of it to get to me. How many of you know he'll keep you? He'll get you through. How many of you will just simply say, the way the old timers used to put it, preacher, I want to be ready when that trumpet. If you feel that way, come on, let's get in here. Have a good season of prayer. Come on, let's just stand around this altar, kneel, whatever you want to do. Come on, let's just have a good season. Just tell him, Lord, I want to be ready. <laughs> Lord, I want to be ready. <laughs> I want to be ready. Help me. Help me know how to be ready. <laughs> Help me know how to be true. Help me know how to be faithful. Help me know how. Help me know how, Lord. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to die and go to hell. <laughs> I don't want to die and go to hell. I don't want to mess around and be lost. I don't want to mess around and be lost. I don't want to mess around and be lost. Lord, I want you to help me. I want you to help me. I want you to help me. (laughs) Help me to see the truth. Help me to believe the truth. Help me to live the truth. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Help me to understand. Redemption. 
Help me to understand, Jesus. Help me to understand. Help me to understand. Help me to understand. Help me to understand. Help me to see. Give me clear vision to see the signs, to see the days we're living in. Lord, to know what I ought to do to be ready. What do I need to do personally to be ready? Because I want to be, I want to be ready to meet you with that trumpet sound. I want to be ready to leave here, Lord. I want to be ready to leave here, Lord, with that trumpet sound. Praise God. He's coming. I want to be ready to leave here with that trumpet sound, Father. I want to be ready to leave here. I want to be ready to leave here with that trumpet sound. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to be ready, Jesus. I want to be ready, Jesus. I want to be ready when that trumpet sounds. I want to be ready. Is coming. He is coming. The oh, king is coming. And I want to be ready. <laughs> He's coming for me. Oh, the king is coming. The king is coming, and I want to be ready. The I want to be ready. I want to be ready. <laughs> the traffic in the street. I want to be ready. Hallelujah. They will find all busy housewives cease their labors in the courtroom all debate. Hallelujah. Work on earth is now descended as the king As the king comes, comes through the gates. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> King is coming. coming. <laughs> the king well, glory to God. Somebody praise him in the house. The king is coming. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The king is coming. Well, glory. Well, oh, glory. praise God. Well, glory. He's coming for you and me. Sing that with me. Oh, the, the king, king is coming. coming. Sing it if you know it. The king, the king is, is coming. coming. Oh, I, I just heard the trumpet sounding. And I Oh the, oh, the king is coming. 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 
Look up, lift up your heads, your redemption draweth nigh. Oh, if you don't do anything else, just walk out of here with that truth tonight. It's time to look up. Don't look down, don't get discouraged, don't give up, don't quit. Look up, look up. Yes, all these things are coming. Yes, all these things are happening. Yes, and they can be discouraging if you're not careful. But Jesus said, just look up. Lift up your heads. Your redemption draweth nigh. Those are the signs. You remember I told you this morning, nobody knows for sure when he's coming. Jesus makes that clear. Nobody knows for sure. But he turned right around and said, but when you see these things, here's the list. When you see them, God give us eyes to see them. When you see them, know that your redemption would you stand with me please let me encourage you to be much in prayer this week if you could be here Tuesday night be here for our
prayer warriors meeting. What a wonderful time it is. Be here Wednesday night for our classes. We're hearing some good words from our pastoral staff. Be here if you can. Then, of course, do everything that you possibly can to invite others to come be with you next Sunday. Let's just come in expecting a great and wonderful time. Let me encourage you, as Pastor Eric did, to be much in prayer Thursday evening. Your council will be meeting, and we are getting, I think, progressively closer to making some decisions. But your prayers are so desperately needed. And I want you to be just really praying that the Lord will give discernment to his people and help us to know exactly what needs to be done. Let's believe that. Let's believe that. Thank you again for being here today, for being faithful to the house of the Lord. Let me encourage you. Let's continue to pray this week. Let's make it a week of prayer for our president, his family, for our nation. We are living in serious days. I'm like Pastor Eric, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not President Trump's judge. There are things about him that make me awfully nervous. But I do believe he has this nation at heart. And he is God's man, I believe, for this hour. And I want us to wrap him up in prayer, wrap his family in prayer. Because some of these forces that are calling for mine and your death are calling for his death. Some of these same voices. Some of these same voices. So let's just pray and believe and trust the Lord to do some great and some mighty things. Praise the name. Brother Buddy, dismiss us in a word of prayer.